Atlantis was named for its founding king, Atlas, who gave his name to the Atlantic Ocean. The only specific fauna mentioned living on Atlantis are elephants, though many creatures were said to live there as well. Atlantis was rich in metals and minerals, including a substance that might sound familiar to video gamers or RPG enthusiasts, orichalcum. It's debated whether or not this was a fictional metal or the name of a unique alloy that actually existed, but it was supposedly the metal that lined the rooftops of the island's most important buildings. Included among these was the magnificent temple dedicated to Poseidon. This temple contained great golden statues and was lined with ivory and silver surrounded by a wall of solid gold. The population of Atlantis was numerous, and they had many amenities such as horse racing tracks, bathhouses, and harbors. Plato does not mention any sort of advanced technology or power sources, say elevators, electricity, or something that might seem out of place with the Athens of his time, but he says that the people there did live among all kinds of luxuries, and had a very powerful and advanced military, advanced enough anyway that it supposedly conquered most of the known world. There isn't much documented on the religion of the Atlanteans, other than their patron deity was Poseidon, which makes sense as they were an island people. But Plato does mention that their rituals involved the veneration and chasing of bulls, which is unique and does tie into some theories on the real-world cultures that may have inspired Atlantis. In summary, Atlantis had it good. Perhaps too good. Far from peaceful, the Atlanteans were warlike invaders, in ancient Greek, hubris or arrogance is tantamount to sin, and is often met with punishment from the gods. We know that the downfall of Atlantis began with their invasion of Athens. They were repelled, and other city-states joined in the rebellion. Then the Atlantean forces were driven back. But the Critias dialogue gives us more of a, shall we say, behind-the-scenes look on just what happened before the city was infamously destroyed in a single day and night of misfortune. Now, I'm going to acknowledge that the next part is definitely more on the legendary side of things, as it involves the Greek gods. Seeing the Atlanteans wage war, Zeus decided to punish them for their wicked ways. However, and this is what's interesting, Plato does not specify an outright destruction. He writes that Zeus observed this noble race lying in this abject state and resolved to punish them and to make them more careful and harmonious as a result of their chastisement. To this end, he called all the gods to the most honored abode, which stands in the middle of the universe and looks down upon all that has a share in generation. And when he had gathered them together, he said, And that's it. Critias literally stops just as Zeus is about to declare what is probably a major revelation. The rest of the dialogue ends at this point, and yes, this really has bothered people for the last 3,000 years or so. Nobody knows why Plato just stops here, or why the third plan dialogue, Hermocrates, was never written. Some think that Plato just got bored, or tired of what was becoming a fantasy, and had quickly veered off track of his original intentions. And some, to borrow a modern parlance, just thought Plato was trolling. Of course, there's all sorts of intricate conspiracy theories out there, including the belief that the Hermocrates was written and is a lost book, or revealed something so earth-shattering it was destroyed by the powers that be. 